Wildcat 919, new music now. This is Emma here in the studio, and we were just listening to Jumpin' at the Woodside by Count Basie and the orchestra live in London. So we're doing something a little bit new here tonight. If you can't tell, that's not your normal hip hop there. We're doing a jazz hour tonight, and we're going to be continuing to do that from 9 to 10 each evening. I have made, I have curated a little list of some songs to talk about. And the first one that we're going to talk about is the one we just listened to, Jumpin' in, Jumpin' at the Woodside. Now, I picked this song because I wanted tonight to be a little bit about telling you guys about my journey listening to jazz. And jazz has always been a big part of my life. My family played a lot of jazz around me when I was little, and this song was the first jazz song that I consciously remember loving. I actually thought that the name of the song was Jumpin' in the Woodsticks. I remember as a kid, I always thought that the name was Jumpin' in the Woodsticks, and so I probably asked my parents so many times, like, Mom, Dad, will you play Jumpin' in the Woodsticks? And they had no idea what I was talking about, or they knew, but... um, just I'm going to give a little bit of background about jazz and Count Basie specifically. So for those of you that aren't big jazz fans like me, jazz is like one of the most fundamental pieces of music that's out there and one of the most complicated types of music out there. And I love it like so much. Now, a little bit about the band Count Basie. So Count Basie's orchestra is a big band, and big bands are generally a large a large band that's made up of a big horn section with like a bunch of saxophones, trombones, trumpets, um, and then a rhythm section, which is usually a bass, piano, drums, and maybe a guitar, usually a guitar of some sort. And the the Count Basie big band was actually like 16 to 18 pieces, but Count Basie was one of the most famous big bands back in the day when jazz kind of started got it going. It really kind of started to get its stride in the 1930s, and that's when Count Basie's orchestra was founded. It was founded in 1935, and you might think that this is crazy but the band is still going to this day i know we're we live in a world of one direction where bands will break up all the time and so it seems kind of crazy that there's a band that has been going on for almost a hundred years now i think that's crazy and one of the really fun things about the count basie orchestra is it was actually founded in kansas city missouri so jazz started well a lot of people say that jazz started in um, New Orleans, but it was kind of a little bit of New Orleans and a little bit of Kansas City. There is a great jazz museum in Kansas City if you'd like to go and learn a lot more about jazz and see all kinds of cool stuff and listen to all kinds of cool stuff. There's also lots of great jazz clubs there as well. So this song, Jumping at the Woodside, was one of Count Basie's like famous songs. It was this Jumpin' at the Woodside and One O'Clock Jump were probably their most famous songs. And I just love them a lot. This specific one, I love this one a lot because it feels like it's fairly 
straightforward, but it still has like a lot of interesting things happening. Like it's not just repetitive. There are a lot of jazz songs that just do the same thing over and over again. And it's fun, but it's not quite as interesting as this one. This song was also the reason that I wanted to play tenor sax when I grew up and I ended up playing tenor sax. And it was actually played by Lester Young originally in the Count Basie band. And Lester Young has always been one of my favorites. I really love Lester Young because of the way that he improvises. And you got to hear that a little bit in the song. He has a very kind of, it's, it's, there, there are a lot of different kinds kinds of improvisation, which I'm going to go into a little bit more in our after our next song. But he does a very kind of easy form of improvisation that I think is just a little bit more pleasing to the common person's ear because he's a lot more melodic in his improvisation. And so I've already I've always kind of drew inspiration from him whenever I'm in, improvising. So. We're going to do our next song. Now, our next song is also really... All of these songs are really special to me, but this one is an extra special one for me. Our next song is going to be Christmas Time Is Here, the instrumental track by the Vince Guaraldi Trio here on Wildcat 91.9 New Music Now.
Wildcat 919 New Music Now. We were just listening to Christmas Time is Here, the instrumental version by the Vince Guaraldi Trio. I'm Emma here this evening, and we're having an hour of jazz tonight, and it is a lot of fun. I am absolutely vibing in the studio. Like, I am. I'm absolutely giddy about the fact that I get to talk about jazz on the radio and hear jazz playing throughout the studio. It is so cool. Oh my gosh, I'm super excited about this. But let's talk a little bit about the song that we just listened to. So this song is off of the album A Charlie Brown Christmas, which is one of my favorite. This is probably my favorite album of all time. It is an album that I listened to a lot as a kid around Christmas time. And it just, I like, it literally pulls me out of anxiety attacks. It brings my stress down so much. It is just so calming and so beautiful. It is the, the epitome of calming and relaxing jazz, in my opinion. And I just love it so much. The Vince Guaraldi Trio that that did this song is made up of Vince Guaraldi himself who plays the piano the beautiful piano and in this track that he that we that I just played the man on bass is Fred Marshall and the man on drums is Jerry Grinelli that were those there were a couple different iterations of this little trio that they had that Vince Guaraldi had and this was the last of the three iterations and they did the most albums together so it's kind of the most Vince Guaraldi trio sound if you're kind of familiar with that but they played I mean they are most known for playing the Charlie Brown music they played the Charlie Brown Christmas album they also did um another Charlie they've done like a couple different Charlie Brown themed albums and one of their most famous songs Linus and Lucy which a lot of you would probably recognize do 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 it's a very very famous tune kind of the quintessential Charlie Brown theme song um and it was done by the Vince Guaraldi trio it's actually on the album A Charlie Brown Christmas. So if you have always loved that song, but you've never known the name, now you know and you can go find it. But I highly recommend listening to this whole album, album especially on, around Christmas time. It's just a vibe. But a little bit more about the trio in this song. They when they when they were asked to write some music for a Charlie Brown TV special. They they played um, the Linus and Lucy or Vince Guaraldi played the song Linus and Lucy for the TV producer Lee Mendelssohn. And when Mendelssohn first heard it, he was like, oh, my gosh, this is perfect. This captures the Peanuts characters so, so well. And I I mean, I think he's I agree with Mendelssohn 100 percent that the music that they wrote for Charlie Brown, it fits so well with the mood and the vibe. And it's just beautiful. It's just really, really good. 
And so let's talk a little bit more about improvisation. So there was a lot of improvisation in this song. And the way that a lot of jazz tunes are kind of structured is there's usually a lead sheet, which is uh, usually like one piece of paper that has the melody and then the chords. And that's usually what you get when you play in a jazz band is you just get a lead sheet and then you kind of create your own arrangement around that. And usually what is involved in a jazz tune is they will have at the top, they'll play the melody and then maybe they'll play like a second verse or play it a second time. And then different people in the band will get a chance to improvise. And so that means that they will get to just play whatever they want and sometimes it's really really bad I know a couple people who were really really bad at improvising in my high school band I won't say names but they were not great and then there's sometimes when it is just so beautiful and so good and I think one of my favorite parts about this song is the bass solo because so rarely do double basses get a chance to solo and it just it feels so good and the other two bring themselves down so that you can hear so that you can hear the bass doing his solo and it's oh it just gives me chills every time I listen to it. So they usually have people go through and do a couple like they'll go through the lead sheet or what would be the melody like a couple times like maybe they get three choruses or four choruses and then the next person gets to go and then they'll usually close it off by playing the melody one more time and that's what they've done in this song and I think that it's easy to get lost when you're listening to improvisation but I think that if you kind of, I think that the best improvisation creates a story and a melody. And that's what I was talking about after our last song about how I really like Lester Young's improvisation because he creates a story. He creates a melody, something to kind of latch on to, a journey to kind of go along with. And there are a lot of people who, when they improvise, they will just play a bunch of patterns over and over and over again. Like they'll go dooby 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 dooby, and they'll just kind of go up and down scales within those. And those often are a lot harder for non-jazz listeners to follow because it's just, I mean, like it's impressive because they're going through their scales over and over and over again, but it's not really fun to listen to as much and I think that most of the jazz that I gravitate towards are pieces where the solos kind of have like an arc that you can kind of follow and I think that this one was a real the solos in this song were really really nice as well and kind of they used a lot of space which is another thing that I think a lot of improvisers don't use enough all right With that, we're going to move into our next song, which is going to be a song that I actually played when I was in jazz band in high school. This one is going to be a completely different mood and vibe than our last one. So be prepared, everyone. It gets a little loud. Our next song is going to be Birdland by Maynard Ferguson here on Wildcat 919 New Music Now. 
Wildcat 919, new music now. We were just listening to Birdland by Maynard Ferguson here in the studio. This is Emma in the studio here, everybody, and we are having a good time tonight. We are listening to jazz this evening, and we're going to be for every weeknight, 9 to 10, for the rest of the semester. So you guys should tune in if you are enjoying what you're listening to right now. So we were just listening to Birdland by Maynard Ferguson. Unfortunately, this was not originally recorded by Maynard Ferguson. This song actually was recorded originally by Weather Report, which was the arrangement that I played when I was in jazz band. And I got to do the tenor solo, which was done by Wayne Shorter in the Weather Report version. But Maynard Ferguson is just brilliant. He is a trumpeter who is, he's really known for doing a lot of those high notes, which you heard a lot of in the song. And I mean, he just has a really, really awesome solo in this song and everything. So this song was originally done by Weather Report, and they were a jazz fusion band in the 70s and 80s. Jazz has kind of moved in a lot of different directions throughout the years. It started out as kind of like a big band thing, and then it was like combos where there would be like one horn, like a saxophone with a rhythm section, which was just bass, drums, piano, and maybe guitar, or piano or guitar, one of the two. And um, so the fusion kind of came around during the 70s and 80s and this was a good example of one of those and the fusion is kind of when they would start to incorporate some of the electronic sounds like synths and everything and the bass kind of was electric instead of being an upright bass and there are a lot of really, really fun fusion fusion bands that I'm going to be playing on later evenings. One of my favorites is Spyrogyra. I have several of their records. So we will definitely be hearing a lot more jazz fusion in the future. But this is a good introduction, in my opinion. So this Maynard Ferguson version is... I personally like it more than the Weather Report version. I really like the Weather Report version because I got to play that version, which you should also all go listen to. But this one has a lot more going on, which is what draws me to it. I think that my favorite part of this version is the part when the rhythm section dropped out and it was just the horns kind of like moving and like the trumpets would play on like the one and then the saxophones would play on the and and then they were kind of like going back and forth juggling the notes between each other and it was just super super tight together and oh my gosh it was just so fun and so that's kind of why I really really like this version more but this one was a lot of fun to play in high school I have done a lot of jazz band and I started in high school and the reason that I wanted to be in jazz band actually is because my parents actually met when they were in jazz band in high school and they continued to do jazz band into college together and do the big bands. Unfortunately, I haven't been able to be in a big band here at K-State because it just takes up a lot of time and I haven't been able to have the time. But you guys should definitely, if you hear about one of the 
K-State big bands like Lab A or, or, or anything, then you guys should definitely go check it out because they are really, really fun to listen to and they have a lot of fun stuff going on. So I, as I kind of mentioned, there are multiple people that have done this song and that was something that was very common in jazz. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about that after our next song, but that's going to kind of lead into our next song of there are a lot of different iterations of the same song and that's why I'm being very specific about who is done which version. So the next song that we are going to be listening to is one of my all-time favorite jazz standards, Autumn in New York. But this Autumn in New York is specifically the Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong version and it is very, very beautiful. We're going to switch moods here back to a little bit more of a calm mood while we listen to this one. But don't worry, I got an, I got another fun song after this one. So let's enjoy Autumn in New York here on Wildcat 919 New Music Now. Why does it seem so inviting? Autumn in New York It spells the thrill of first nighting Glittering crowds and shimmering clouds in canyons of steel they're making me feel I'm home it's autumn in New York that brings the Will 
tell you that it's divine. This autumn in New York transforms the slums into Mayfair. Oh, autumn in New York, you need no castles in Spain. Yes, lovers that bless the dark. Oh, on the benches in Central Park. Great autumn in New York It's good to live it again Wildcat 919, new music now. This is Emma here in the studio, and we were just listening to Autumn in New York by Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong, or they were singing on it, rather. Now, this song is one of, is it is a jazz standard. And when I say jazz standard, what I mean by jazz standard is it's a very popular melody or tune that has been re-recorded by a lot of different artists and put their own spin on it in different ways or there's different backgrounds or the rhythm section is doing something different in each of them and 
This one was specifically the Ella Fitzgerald and um, Louis Armstrong version. Now, because this song is the first song we've listened to tonight that has lyrics, we're going to do my segment, Look at Lyrics, that I have been doing the past few weeks when we were listening to R&B. But we're going to take a look at some of the lyrics from this song. So the lyrics that I picked out from this song are, Autumn in New York is mingled with pain. Dreamers with empty hands, they sigh for exotic lands. It's autumn in New York. It's good to live it again. And that line has always stood out to me. I think it's the the line, it's mingled with pain. The idea of kind of like thinking about the seasons and the kind of coldness that will happen which is like a little sting of pain but it still kind of feels good and the kind of loneliness that you kind of feel this song has a very distinct feeling about it that's kind of a bittersweet feeling to you to it and I just have always loved this one I think that the melody is gorgeous and I think that the pairing of Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong is just amazing so if you have never heard of Ella Fitzgerald or Louis Armstrong which honestly I I'm I don't want to pass too much judgment but Ella Fitzgerald and Louis Armstrong I think are probably two of the most well-known jazz names I feel like like I feel like there's not very many people who haven't heard of Louis Armstrong but mainly because of um the what's the song the rainbow song that he sings and also he just has such a unique voice but he was originally kind of known for his his trumpet because he's a very talented trumpet player as he plays and solos in this song And then Ella Fitzgerald, she doesn't actually play an instrument, but she got famous for her scat singing, which wasn't on full display in the song, but you got to hear a little bit of it, like the da-ba-doo-dee, da-ba-doo-dee, that sort of kind of scat singing. And she is often called the queen of jazz. These are two iconic jazz artists that are referenced in so many other songs they're actually um there's a stevie wonder song that is called sir duke that it's about duke ellington another jazz artist that we might get to listen to tomorrow but in the song there's lyrics and stevie wonder mentions um with ella in the bandstand then there's like everything is going to go all right So these are just kind of iconic names within the jazz world. Now, uh, going back to the kind of jazz standards element of this song, this song was originally written in 1934 by Vernon Duke, but it's been done by a lot of very big jazz people over the years. Just to name a few, some of the people who have done this song are Frank Sinatra, Charlie Parker, Bing Crosby, Billie Holiday, Stan Kenton, um, Harry Connick Jr., and a lot more. I only wrote down the names that were kind of the biggest ones. There were a bunch more listed when I looked this up. And you could probably go 
on Spotify and see a ton of different versions. And that can kind of be the thing that is either overwhelming about jazz or really exciting about jazz. Because if you look up Autumn in New York on like Spotify or Apple Music or wherever you listen to music, there are going to be a lot of results come up. So you're going to have a lot of options and a lot of them can be very different. I think on one of these other nights, I'm probably going to play different versions of the same song to kind of show you how people can change it so drastically with their different types. So with that, we are going to move into one of our last songs this evening. Our last song this evening is going to be by a much, much newer artist than all of these other artists that we have listened to tonight. He is actually alive still and thriving. We are going to listen to one of the best jazz musicians alive, in my opinion, who is a little bit different than all this other jazz. We've been listening to a lot of classic jazz. Now we're going to kind of be listening to where jazz is going and what we're doing now. And so our next song is by Jacob Collier, and we're going to listen to my favorite Jacob Collier song, Hajanga, here on Wildcat 91.9 New Music Now. Everybody near and far Come together as you are To the ocean, to the sky Sing that cosmic lullaby Sing that jungle Pleasure, sing your pain Like you'll never sing again Let it echo loud and clear Across the ancient stratosphere Refuse to shine. There's a song of love that never dies. Even when the good days pass you by, lift your voices to the sky, singing la 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 I 
Wildcat 919, new music now. This is Emma here in the studio, and we were just listening to Jacob Collier's Hajanga, which is one of my favorite songs of his, one of my favorite songs to date recently. It's just, it's so good. 
Now, Jacob Collier is a much newer artist than all the other people we've been talking about this evening, but he is 100% a genius. Like, I don't know, you probably couldn't tell this while you were listening, but every single instrument that was played in that song, he did in his room by himself. This song came off of his al- his debut album, In My Room, which the entire album was done all by himself, written, performed, and produced all by himself in his room when he was like 17 or 18 or something. I it, He was like younger than he should have been. But he is, he's a British musician that is... He's a 100% an up-and-comer right now. He actually has been... He's won several Grammys for jazz arrangements of things. He actually was up for Album of the Year at the Grammys this past year with his his most recent album, Jesse Volume 3. And that's just one of the many masterpieces that he has made. He has caught my eye. He caught my eye because... I'm someone who kind of like my brain is always moving at a million time my miles per minute. And so this song kind of it, it it scratches all of the itches. There's so much going on and I love it so much. He has kind of been getting into the jazz scene and he has been working with a lot of like really big jazz there's a lot of really big jazz artists that have like noticed him like the biggest one I think is Herbie Hancock who is an incredibly famous jazz pianist who has worked with a ton of people he's Jacob Collier is also a part of Quincy Jones's um record label and Quincy Jones has worked with Count Basie who we discussed on our first song So it kind of is full circle in that way that you can kind of connect Jacob Collier back to Count Basie, which was from our first song. It's really funny how that happens, you know. But Jacob Collier has done a lot of really, really great things. He will continue to be doing a lot of great things. He's going to be known really well in the jazz world, world, I know for sure. He became he he kind of became known when he did a really really crazy arrangement of the flint the flintstones theme song and if you get a chance go listen to that tonight i might play it on a later evening but i'm going to save it for tonight because we are almost out of time here it is almost the top of the hour but so i'm going to kind of wrap it up here it has been a really really good night talking about jazz with everyone. I hope that everybody out there has enjoyed it. If you guys really, really love this and you enjoyed it, please let me know or go on the Wildcat 91.9 social media and let someone know that you've enjoyed this tonight because I've been having a good time and I hope that everybody out there is having a good time. And if you want more of this and if you want more hours of this, if you want me to do eight to nine or eight to 10, then let me know. But with that, we are going to head into the next hour. So have a great night, everyone. I hope that everyone does.